Welcome back to MQL Daily presented by BetMGM and Egros Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Time to talk NFL Survivor. And we are when we are looking at, say, the smattering of people who are remaining both in Circa and other Survivor pools. Uh, Joe, mm-hmm. as far as like who has been chosen, which teams may still be available for, pe- for key participants, what stands out to you? Well, let's start here. Okay. So last week... I think we did a lot of people crushed the one uh, player in Circus Survivor still alive that did not want to chop, right? Remember, they had the 13-person the mm-hmm. vote. There were 12 votes to chop, 400K a person. Let's play for 4 million. There was one vote that said no. That voter we found out against it is still alive. They took the New Orleans Saints, and uh, the, the handle of, uh, of that person is Golden Boy, Okay. Yeah. So it's been confirmed who Golden Boy is. Golden Boy is out there on X, right? Golden Boy's been tweeting. Golden Boy, this is legit. Like, he's a poker player in Vegas. Um, so we're seeing the poker player in him come out a little bit. Like, he's he's willing to put it all on the line, right? Here's mm-hmm. his tweet um, this week. His, his real name is Sean Perry. Uh, at It's Vegas Sean. When I win the when I win the nine point three million dollars from the circus survivor dot dot dot, I'm requesting an all cash cash and caps payout exclamation exclamation all caps get the wheelbarrows ready hashtag <laughs> I'm not chopping <laughs> my man I love I'm this flipping. guy I love Golden Boy I'm not I saying I'm rooting against payout payos. But I love this dude and the swag and the attitude. See, a lot of people read that and be like, I hope he loses. This guy's a jerk. No, no, no. I love it. We need more of this in sports. Betting. I Stop love taking it. yourself so damn seriously. And yeah, he's right. young. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I don't know middle-aged okay, old people who would have that attitude. Not that at all. Are you kidding me? Sean yeah, you're like Perry. 21, 22 years old. You think you could do this all the time? Oh, I'll have another yeah, chance to win $9 million. Dollars. Put there those claws back in, Hawk. Relax. There he is. Is he hotter Sean. if he's a millionaire? Uh, no, yeah. He's like he's he's funny. <laughs> Even Paul's too. interested now. So, so you guys with me? I kind of now I'm rooting for this guy. I was rooting against him yeah. before, but now I like it. The Golden Boy thing seemed obnoxious yeah and now i'm like i like this guy a lot Aaron, i'm out (laughs) oh paul's anti gb that's so unsurprising take it that paul is or aaron's with why yeah that that paul's anti okay what's the reason yeah because you don't like the chopping thing that he refused to chop and he impacted these other people's lives i'm okay with that no, he's okay. he, you want to be the villain? Fine. I'm going to cheer against the villain. I hope you lose and fall on your face this week. <laughs> Fine. So I'll be the villain to the villain. Don't be the bully. Okay. Beat the bully beater upper. You know? The anti hero hero. Anti hero. Yeah. What? <laughs> yes. Taylor Swift song. He's going into Taylor Swift right now. Where you at? Yeah. This? You know, Ed's on my team. This is uh, actually, no, I'm not. Uh, roundabout wow. way. You guys remember uh, when Jeopardy James was a thing? 
uh, when he would yes, go on yeah. Jeopardy and he would just, yeah. you know, bet the house on daily Howitzer doubles. Or whatever. And, you know, yeah. James Holzhauer. Yeah. Like he bet like, you know, 70,000 on final Jeopardy and things like that. And he was, uh, you know, amassing these ridiculous totals. That was fun. I really enjoyed that. Like every time you watch the darn show, it's like these people get super duper conservative, even though they are smarter than just about everybody on the planet. But then they get to a daily double. It's like, oh, I'll raise you a thousand. You got 20,000 in the bank. You know everything about opera from the 19th century. So when James comes in and actually puts his money where his mouth is, that was fun. I like seeing how high he could go. So in that respect, I like some aggression. And I'd like to assume that everybody who's still alive and survivor, like they still have the means where if they don't win this, they'll be okay in life. But let's see somebody get aggressive. Let's go. I love it. I love it. This guy ain't hedging. Oh, I'm in. Not at all. I'm in on the ri no risk it, no biscuit. But yeah. like, yeah. But... Oh, thinking he. Uh, so you think he meant it when he said he's the best better in the world? I think he was just joking around. Oh, I think it's a bit, but I'm cheering against yeah. a bit. Yeah. Okay. I don't. Oh, I got God. You. This guy's going to be so insufferable if he very... wins. Can you imagine knowing this guy and he wins? Oh, my God. I'd never want to see him again. He would be the worst. I all right. I think Hawks it's a win, but I also think he's very confident. Like, if Hawks you read his yeah. timeline, we're, we're I talked to him. Yeah, I see that during our conversation. You got yeah. it. We're, about to, you got we're about to spend a segment with the Hawk crafting a DM slide into this guy's DMs. Like, uh, about to oh, it already crazy. happened. On right. December 5th, 2017, he talks about how he celebrated his 21st birthday. Hawk, yeah. you got to get it together here. You can't be going to 2017. <laughs> You yeah, can't and you definitely be can't that. be going to like 2013. Definitely, he doesn't, do he doesn't tweet <laughs> much. He doesn't tweet much. It was yeah, you know, exactly. That, last couple of tweets, first time in a couple of years that that he's. So tweeted. I will oh, say thank this. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. I'm not as creepy as from it a, sounds. From a as content it sounds, perspective, it's worse. I am all in on this guy coming on the show, and I would not feel bad at all if he lost because he's he's in for True. it. He's up for it. Right. So I'm, you've set yourself. I'm gonna try up. to slide into his DMs on the Let's gram. Let's go, Hawk. Let's see what. Let's go. Let's yeah. Oh, on the up. gram. Use if the he Lord loses, yeah. though, like tweet notifications on, like it's gonna be the greatest spiral of all time, and I would love oh, to witness full it. Tilt. That's what I'm talking. Like that's yeah. as much what I want to witness as anything else. Like go from here and like. Oh like, yeah. Down. His first video, he's loading a suitcase up with money. On his Get Instagram. out! I love that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> kidding me? Dude, this guy's awesome. Look, Look at good. that. Wow. Yeah, this is great commitment to the bit. I I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have, you know no what I would not want to do? Sleeveless shirt, doing the it's pat pinned. back if you look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> curls, bro, first of all. But yeah, I would he's never a little skinny to... for me. Yeah. <laughs> he said yeah. one of Paul's workouts. Yeah, uh, there we go. Get some mix in a kettlebell, bro. You know what? I, you know what I would not want to do <laughs> is sit at a poker table with this guy. He would be the worst, uh, and he'd probably oh, he'd smoke me. He'd smoke everyone yeah. at the table, and he'd be talking about right. it the whole time. Which I appreciate as like a viewer. I would hate as like the person going against him. Do you wear oh, shades yeah. at the table? What? No. I asked I Paul this before. I think. Do you pull the hood up? Yeah no like, like well i'm usually playing a cash game like if i'm playing in headphones like i played a couple tournaments in vegas over the summer i brought sunglasses i never used them though 
Uh, I just didn't know what the vibe was going to be at the table. Yeah. Well, okay. yeah, and also like serious players, you know. So do most sure of how them... much I had to. Yeah. Uh, it was. I'd say it was like twenty eighty sunglasses. So eighty percent no sunglasses. Okay. Uh, was the, it yeah, also was, was the poker player who was wearing a neck brace, like not that long ago. <laughs> I forgot. I know. Bill yeah, and wild things. No, oh, that's a no, lot. That's an my actual, favorite neck brace moment. An actual poker player, like he was older, and because like he would always crouch down or look down or whatever, at some point it started to hurt his neck, so he just came with a neck brace and just you know hmm. he was very successful. Like I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but yes, we've we've all seen it. After the, the local sporting events, the old poker events from who knows when. Could be five years ago. Could be uh, last week that, that they just right. run on a loop on, on all those, the uh, local sports channels. So we're, uh, some of us are rooting for Golden Boy. I think all of us are rooting for Peos. Uh, it, and uh, he participates in mine. I, I've been going back and forth with him. Uh, he's not gone public. Like, he's not out there tweeting like Golden Boy. So it's a, it's a different situation as far as that goes. But keep in mind, this is the Christmas week. And I want to jump ahead for a quick second when, when looking at this week. So there are three games. The Christmas Day triple header is a standalone week in Circus Survivor for this big event. And a lot of people went in with the mentality, okay, you either save KC or you save Philadelphia because you don't want to deal with Baltimore, San Francisco. Like that would be your pick. Everybody alive, all 10, have used both Baltimore and San Francisco. Makes perfect sense. Of the 10 guys, nine have Nine. Philly available. Nine. Wow. Only one. Peos is the only one that's used Philly. Really? He's the only wow. one. But he has He's Kansas City it. available. He's one yeah. of two that has KC against Vegas. I find that really interesting that almost everyone <clears throat> in the pool, pool that's still alive circled Philly as a team that they were going to save for Christmas Day. And instead, they decided to use KC at some point, and he went the opposite approach. And, and I was telling him, like, this is a great spot because, obviously, if you get to Christmas Day, the heavy chalk is going to be Philly. Nine people have them, and they're all going to be on Philly almost, or I'm pretty sure, because there's one other person that has KC. And then you're not going to be tempted. It, it's, it's great. It ends up being great game theory, but you got to get there first. If Tommy oh, DeVito beats the Eagles, does that mean that we will oh see gosh. a pizzeria opened up so that DeVito can have said autograph session at marked up prices? He made it right. He made it right. He did it for he free. Did. He said, forget it that. about you, you know, agent guy <laughs> who's trying yeah, to get 15 need and 1,500 he minutes of fame. No, he hired a marketing person. And he did it for free. Good vibes with Tommy this week. I'm just saying, and the Eagles, apparently Eagles fans are going to have a rally outside of the NovaCare complex this morning or something. Yeah, what's that what? all about? I don't know. <laughs> Dr. Lunatic said it's what your it's people. all about. What, what are they doing? Right? They lose three games and they're freaking out like this? Have you ever been to Philadelphia? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> you should go today. Eight o'clock, no city, complex. I guess no, it's already no, over. No, I don't know. I, don't want to do with I just want to know why the people there are so rude. And Excuse angry. me? <laughs> Excuse me, Hawk? Whoa. They just seem rude and angry. It is why. strange. Is it like, the weather? Aaron, the people <laughs> well, we You know what? You're right down the street. Are... You could drive up for this. Aaron, it's funny. Maybe I've we lucked enough. out. 
the people we've worked with from Philly are actually really nice. And I'm guessing I you know. guys are the outlier. <laughs> I mean, I just uh, yeah. Yeah. There's uh it's a certain breed. I'll say that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Good okay, people. So, though, I think. So as far as Survivor, if if yes. you have this Payos ticket, everybody in the pool has used Buffalo, the double digit favorite at the Chargers. So that's not an option. Everybody has Denver, including our guy. One person has the Rams tonight. Nine have the Packers. Nine have the Bears, both four-and-a-half-point favorites. I think the Bear numbers come down to four, uh, I believe. So those are the ones above a field goal. And, like, it's going to be really obvious. It feels like people are debating. The one person has a Rams. My guess is they take the Rams today because then you avoid the chalk as well. Um, But Denver, Green Bay, Chicago, I'd imagine those are the ones that people are really looking at. Uh, Seattle, Tennessee's dealing with a lot of injuries. It could be missing four or five starters. Everybody's used Seattle, so that's not an option. Uh, A few have Cleveland going against likely a backup quarterback on the road. That's a possibility, but kind of risky. It's inside of the field goal. Rams-Packers seems good. Yeah. Yeah. I like those. You guys go Packers? Just fade Carolina. Just fade Carolina. Off yeah. a win. Yes. And now Christian Watson didn't practice yesterday. He's a big part of their offense. So that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, but I would I'd have Packers circled right now. I see the case for the Rams, absolutely, though. I love them tonight. Me too. My model likes Chicago in this week. Good luck wow. with that. For, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's scary. You make it this there. far. Oh. Against I Kyler. Mean, talking about a really, really good defense. You know, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, like, other than Trey McBride, do we trust any of those weapons? I'd say no. Mm. Classic methodology here. Just take the team going up against Arizona. Okay. Oh, I'd be we're, oh, I'm be sprinkling no. the Arizona money line myself, so. No. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Uh, we're all frisky, Ed. I'm not with it. We're all on a different page. I'd go Denver. Denver. Denver's my second option. Denver's my second option. New England's too smart. They they know that they can't win this game. And it's a really bad idea. Given these options, you'd rather take the Packers on the road with the way that Love's playing right now and all the starters that could be out, including Watson and Jair Alexander. We've seen how they've played without those dudes. And, yeah, I'm not – Bears are – no, 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 no. No, thanks. The Panthers I, I get Denver at home. the – Ball, yeah, I know. So I guess, like you, so you think the Patriots do not want to win, and it's Zappy, and I'm going against a bad quarterback. Hand the ball to Zeke thirty times. That defense is not fixed. He'll be done by the second half in the that air. Be right. toast. Okay. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Brian Johnson from Fantasy Football Weekly and KFAN in Minnesota joins us with his favorite bets for tonight's game and the NFL weekend right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Away, pressured again, throws it off his back foot, caught. It's caught by Addison. He's going to go all the way in for a touchdown. Mullins beats the Blitz, and the Vikings have their second score of the game. 
This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Later on in the program, in hour number three, we will have Brad Powers discuss his takes with the college football playoff. But right now, we are joined by Brian Johnson from the Fantasy Football Weekly Podcast and KFN out in Minnesota. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Let's get started and talk about Thursday Night Football. And I think the matchup that we're probably focused on a good bit more than the others would be the Saints defense against this Rams offense. And so my question to you to get started is, do you have concerns about the Rams' big four? Stafford, Williams, Cup, Nakua. What do you think they can do in this matchup? Yeah, first off, thanks for having me on, guys. Great to be here. And uh, back to your question, um, the Rams' big four. Starting with Kyron Williams, uh, no concerns there. He's a no-brainer. It is somewhat of a tough matchup. The Saints have surrendered just one total touchdown to running backs over the last three games and just seven all season. That's the sixth fewest. But uh, Williams just on a heater this year, fourth in rushing yards and third in total touchdowns among running backs. And he's only played 10 games, really nine and a half. You can't really sit Williams against anybody, uh, even the Saints. Again, not a smash spot, but Williams is a must start, as is Cooper Cup. Uh, he's back to must-start status after uh, sort of a, a tough stretch after missing the first four games. Again, this isn't a great matchup either, but neither were the the Browns or the Ravens over the last three weeks. Uh, and, and Cup has scored in those three games over the last three weeks, 100-plus yards in, uh, in two of those three as well. So Cup pretty much matchup proof. I'm rolling him out with confidence on Thursday night. I'm a little nervous about Puka Nakua, though, in this matchup against New Orleans, uh, who have allowed just eight wide receiver touchdowns all season. That's the second fewest, uh, just one over the last six. Nakua has scored just two touchdowns over his last nine games. During that same span, he's topped 90 yards just twice. Uh, I can't fault you for starting Nakua in this Thursday night matchup uh, in standard leagues, but if you have a better option, I might wait to deploy that on uh, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. And if you're still alive in a guillotine league, by the way, I don't think Nakua is startable in a guillotine league, but there are better options out there than Nakua. And lastly, Matt Stafford, tough matchup for him on paper as well. New Orleans ranked fourth in pass coverage by pro football focus. That said, the Saints haven't faced many notable, notable passers as of late. Tommy DeVito, Bryce Young, Desmond Ritter, Josh Dobbs. None of those guys are comparable to Stafford. Jared Goff is, though. He threw for multiple scores against the Saints in Week 13. Stafford could do the same tonight. He's got multiple touchdown passes in four straight, 12 total during that span. So he's a top 10 quarterback option. There's only about – odds are you might have one guy ranked higher than him this week. But if you don't, you can uh, start Stafford with confidence. But uh, I wouldn't pair him up with Nakua or Cup. I would, uh, you don't want to put too many eggs in one basket in my mind. Yeah, the, the the Saints thing is interesting because we were debating earlier in the show, like, you know, the reputation that they have for years is such a strong defense. And you look recently, they're only giving up six points against the Giants, only giving up six points against against Carolina. And then when they when they face a high flying offense like the Rams, those defensive numbers certainly not as strong, which makes a lot of sense. What about um, fantasy props wise uh, over on the Saints side? 
Olave is it looks like he's going to be in. So so they're getting healthier as far as that goes. Uh, in in addition to Camara, any any specific spots you like against this Rams defense for the Saints? Well, it almost feels like you should give uh, you should go anytime touchdown on Jimmy Graham four touchdowns on just seven uh. targets. That's uh, more than half a touchdown per game or uh, per target. I'm sorry. So give him eight targets tonight, and that's a lock. I- I'm joking there, but. I still can't get over the fact that Jimmy Graham has four touchdowns this year on, on seven targets, and he's pushing 40 years old. But like you said, outside of Kamara, Olave is really the only other option. Um, he sat last week, as you mentioned, with the ankle sprain, but he should be good to go tonight. The Rams are allowing more than 160 yards per game to wide receivers. That's a healthy number. And over the last two weeks, opposing wideouts are averaging 200-plus yards and have totaled five touchdowns against L.A., and before last week when Olave sat, he had an NFL high 1,093 unrealized air yards. Nobody else was even at 900. So Olave has been getting his shots downfield all season. I see that continuing tonight. So I like the over on receiving yards and uh, even longest reception of the night. Uh, Olave should be in the mix there. And he, he is startable uh, in most formats as well. I would uh, – even though he missed last week, if he's active, I think you got to give Olave a shot in a in a game that should be a, have a positive game script for the, the New Orleans pass attack. Brian, let's go to Saturday. Um, Bengals at Steelers, and Mason Rudolph says, as far as he knows, he's treating it as if he is playing. There's even some one and a halfs out there now. Anything you like, prop side total in this one? Uh, you can't like anything uh, on the Steelers side <laughs> when it when with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, and, and you know and this, this whole George Pickens not trying thing. Maybe he gets he's motivated motivated by that, or maybe he he turtles even more. I just you know Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, they continue to mow each other's lawn week in and week out. Warren should be getting bell cow usage at this point. Harris is like a tackling dummy out there. He, he has no vision, so you can't be excited about anything on the Pittsburgh side, fantasy-wise, prop-wise. On the on the Bengals side, obviously Jamar Chase, unlikely to play. I believe he's already been ruled out. Um, Joe Mixon is getting a lot of work stolen from Chase Brown right now, so that's become a lot more of a, a platoon there. But um, when you look at what the – Colts receivers did against the the Steelers last week. Michael Pittman was on his way to a monster game. He gets hurt. Then DJ Montgomery comes in. Guy I've never even heard of scores two touchdowns. So you got to like T Higgins a ton in this game. So I'm I'm liking the overs on most of the prop lines I'm seeing for T. But outside of that, you know, Jake Browning, he looks nice, but are you going to start Jake Browning if you're in the, the semifinals of your fantasy league? Odds are you have a better option out there. So it's really only T. Higgins I'd love for Cincy. I will still start Joe Mixon, but uh, Higgins is the only guy that's really standing out for me in that game. He's Brian Johnson from the Fantasy Football Weekly Podcast here on BetQL Daily. This is the season where we are fading running backs. And certainly we've done this uh, a good bit in seasons past, or, you know, weeks past, rather. Uh, but when we're talking about Bijan Robinson and Derrick Henry, guys, we probably felt like could be reliable uh 
you know, at the start of the year, they certainly weren't last week. So is there a reason to tail them or perhaps fade them for this week? Yeah, Bijan and Derrick Henry were both in smash spots last week. Bijan up against Carolina, who people have been running over them all season long, pouring rain that's like just screams positive game script, and then he just got Arthur Smith yet again. Tyler Algier gets twice as many touches. It makes no sense plays in the game. Uh, then Derrick Henry going up against the Texans, a team who he's totaled like over 1,000 yards and like 10 touchdowns in his previous five. He totals 10 yards on, on 20 touches. And I'm really concerned with the usage for Henry against Seattle this week. It's a good matchup on paper, but this is the first time under Mike Vrabel's tenure that the Titans have nothing to play for unless it's the last game of the season. They've never been eliminated from playoff contention this early. So I don't see – there's not a lot of point in, in running Henry out there. He probably wants to save the little tread he has left on his tires. So I'm off on Henry against Seattle. Bijan has the Colts, who are top five in the most yards – uh, I'm sorry, most total yards and total touchdowns surrendered to running backs. And as scary of a proposition as it is, I'm just going to hope that Arthur Smith realizes he's being such a jackass and just give Bijan <laughs> bell cow usage again, as he was prior to last week. They were winning games. He was going off. This is indoors. Great matchup. I'm going to trust Bijan one more time and uh, basically pray, but he's a tough guy to sit for me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, a lot of sharp betters agree with you. They are all over Atlanta this week, and we've uh, we've certainly seen some line movement in that game. What about some other big name players that people lock into their fantasy lineup? People bet over, no matter what the numbers are on a week to week basis with player props. Any any big name players that uh, you see in line for for a possible dud here in Week 16? Yeah, people might be excited to see Nico, Nico Collins active this week. Uh, it looks like he's trending towards playing. Missed last week with the calf injury. They have the Browns at home uh, this weekend. But I got a lot of trepidation here for Nico if active. First off, C.J. Stroud, unlikely to play, as most know by now. So it'll be another week at Case Keenum, who, who, looked, who looked decent last week. I'm not going to take anything away from him. But this is more about the matchup against Cleveland who's allowing less than 10 catches per game to wide receivers. That is the fewest in the league. They got all-pro cornerback Denzel Ward back last week. But their other cornerback, Martin Emerson Jr., is making big big uh, splashes this year. He's been Darrell Revis-like. In 444 coverage snaps, Emerson has allowed zero touchdowns and a 44.6 passer rating in his coverage. So, they are going to be keyed in on Nico Collins. Obviously, Tank Dell was lost for the season a couple of weeks ago. And with Case Keenum at quarterback, I'm keeping Nico on my bench, even, even if active. Uh, just look forward to, to better things next year for Nico, but it's not going to be this week. Uh, love me some Nico Collins. Let's talk about some sleepers for this week. <laughs> Brian, any sleepers you got for us? Well, if you are super desperate at running back, which a lot of people might be, I mean, if you're alive in your, your, your playoffs, uh, you, you probably have some good options, but we have to talk about the Eagles, Boston Scott going up against the Giants. Let's go. Uh, Boston Scott has scored <laughs> nine touchdowns in eight career games against New York. So if you're in a, like a touchdown-heavy league and you have no good options, why not grab Boston Scott right now? And he's a great option in daily fantasy. He's probably going to be 
bare minimum. Another guy, uh, any time touchdown score uh, prop, Mm -hmm. I'd probably be in on that for for Boston Scott. And uh, another sleeper, not a guy who would advocate for it starting in standard fantasy, but another another nice daily play. And uh, I'd probably smash most of his overs as well is is Bryce Young, uh, Carolina quarterback. And simply for the fact he's got the Packers. And over the last two weeks, the Packers have yielded the NFC Offensive Player of the Week award to Tommy DeVito and Baker Mayfield. So that defense is struggling. And the Panthers are an interesting story because, yes, they only have two wins. And in most cases, teams are very unmotivated at that point. But they, they do not want to give the number one overall pick to the Bears, <laughs> which they, they own right now, but they have to hand over to Chicago. They're going to play every game like it's a Super Bowl to avoid giving the Bears the number one overall pick. So Bryce Young, a nice daily option. And again, I, I, like, I like most of his passing uh, prop, uh, the overs on most of his passing props this weekend. Brian, whether you know this or not, Aaron's love affair with Nico Collins can only be surpassed by Joe's love affair with Boston Scott. So somehow yeah. you've picked out every <laughs> single player we talk about on this show consistently. So I really appreciate that. Uh, about a minute to go here. Uh, you obviously uh, know a lot about the Vikings. Uh, you watch them uh, you know, week after week. What do you think about this matchup between the Vikings and Sam Laporta? What are you expecting from him and what are you expecting from the Vikings in general? Yeah, I'm not expecting Laporta to, to score three touchdowns here, but uh, he should have a decent game. The Vikings allowing less than 50 yards per game, um, not great, but more than five catches. We'll take that production all day. I, I just love the tight end narrative in this game. Uh, TJ Hawkinson going up against Sam Laporta. Last year, the, the Lions trade Hawkinson within the division, which you don't see a lot, to the Vikings in exchange for uh, – draft pick where the Lions take Sam Laporta. So they're both going to be motivated uh, in this game going up against each other. And really at this point, Sam Laporta, TJ Hawkinson, they are matchup proof uh, when it comes to what defenses are allowing to tight ends. You got to be confident in both those guys this year and moving forward. They both might be first round picks in 2024, to be honest with you. Good stuff. Brian Johnson from the Fantasy Football Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Had a great time. Happy holidays. Absolutely. Happy holidays to you as well. We get Nico Collins and Boston Scott references hey. uh, in the same segment. How lucky are we? Look, eight games, Boston Scott against the Giants has nine touchdowns. He has a touchdown in almost every game. There was one game there. He did not score a touchdown. Now, I think this number is going to go down. Laugh at it all you want. It's five to one. Right now at one spot. It's already three to one at another. It's not listed many places. Mm. Guarantee you on Sunday, you will not find a five <laughs> or four, four to one for Boston Scott scoring any time touchdown as everyone's talked about it by that point. Last touchdown. Last? <laughs> Last. Okay. That's the way I to like go. It. That's a good Probably getting a, good a 30. Close uh, okay. there, Yeah. Whoa, there's a 60 to one out there. I'm doing that now. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. <laughs> Coming up next, let's be sharper about home field advantage right here on the BetQL Network. Class is now in session. Let's start with a pop quiz, shall we? Professor Eddie Gross is here to help you with your bets. Who you play? 
where you played them, at what point during the season you played them. Being able to put all of that in context is really important. Let's be sharper about this on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Joe Ostrowski here with Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth, and we're getting set for Thursday night football, taking a look at the numbers. You know, most most spots have it at four, but I am seeing, guys, uh, some spots going down to three and a half, so some Saints support out there. And it does tie into this week's Let's Be Sharper because it's home field advantage. And everyone knows that there is no home field advantage for any of the Los Angeles football teams because nobody likes any of them. And (laughs) how can we be sharper? What a toss. It's true. (laughs) It's true. Aaron, you think there will be more Bills? You weren't here yesterday. (laughs) You think there will be more Bills fans or Chargers fans? I brought this up to Ed and he was not happy, but but he agreed with it. Mm. More Bills fans, right? Bill's yeah, Mafia? Christmas in L.A. sounds like a Let's great go. idea. And <laughs> so, Ed, how do we fly out of Buffalo first? Like, you can't get snowed in. You got to get out of the area to get to Los Angeles. Is it snowing anywhere? I don't. We're not going to have a snowy I hope Christmas, not. right? <laughs> it's, it's raining here. It's miserably yeah. looking out there. But Freezing. yeah, anyway. Yes, home field advantage. Let's be sharper about it, shall we? Uh, Plenty of us have studied the hows and whys of how many points we should tack on for the home team. And though it can be volatile from one season to the next, if you constantly go with, say, one and a half points, you're probably close to the exact number except for this season. We have seen significantly higher home field advantages than we have in seasons past. If we look at the last five years, first off, this is just an excuse to look at 2019, which was really, really weird that we had a home field disadvantage that season. And everybody was up in arms saying, hey, have we just lost home field advantage in the NFL? Well, no, it was just an anomaly. And then, of course, 2020 happened, the COVID year, where there were no fans and it almost didn't matter where you were playing games, et cetera, et cetera. But we did get to see that home field advantage return in 2021 all the way up to now where home field advantage is worth approximately two and a half points. But this essay is not just about this year. It's about looking at different types of games and seeing if we can find value with the home team. First off, it is important to note over the last several years, division games mean a smaller home field advantage by roughly a point. So if we look at the last five years, it's not a, con- a constant, consistent trend. But this year, home field advantage were two, 2.55 points. But within the division, it's only worth two points. Keep that trend in mind since these final weeks do involve a lot of divisional contests. And so if you're just assuming that, okay, two and a half is the number for the home team, well, in a division game, Just ratchet it back just a little bit. Make it closer to two, and maybe you'll find some value there. Now, also, because we are in December, we are in the holiday stretch where the weather is getting a good bit cooler, I was curious if home field advantage gets larger or smaller as you progress through the calendar year. So what I did was I looked at the last 10 years and divided it by month and wanted to see what home field advantage was by month. 
As it turns out, the differences are not significant. September, it's roughly two points. Then it goes down to one and a half, then back to two, and then back to one and a half. So no real discernible change if you're going from month to month over the last 10 years in terms of home field advantage. Again, two points in September games, one and a half for October games, two points for, say, about, you know, November games, you know, Thanksgiving games, things like that. And then you go back to one and a half for December slash January. So ultimately, if you look at it by month, really doesn't matter all that much in terms of uh, looking ahead and dividing home field advantage that way. Finally, since the weather is getting colder across the country, I had one other question. Do falling temperatures affect home field advantage? So the way I did this was, again, I looked at, 10 seasons i set indoor stadiums to say 72 degrees and i regressed that temperature on results and as it turns out falling temperatures do not change home field advantage now if a team is say facing a drastic change like going from a hot climate to a cool climate or vice versa maybe home field advantage matters there, but you want to be careful. Like take a look at last week, for instance, and I got caught in this where I felt like Tampa Bay going up to Lambeau field would give the Packers much more of a home field advantage than they would otherwise enjoy. But Tampa Bay won that game and they won it comfortably. Mm -hmm. So be careful when you're looking at those kinds of drastic changes. It can matter, but oftentimes other factors besides temperature can matter that much more. So ultimately, do not look at temperature too much in terms of home field advantage. But if you're looking at drastic climates, also keep in mind other factors that may matter even more than what we're talking about when it comes to the weather. All right. I Do you guys think that that we're closer to the point, because I'd love to be here. And I think we are getting closer, but do you guys agree that we're getting closer to the point where people are are done saying, oh, three points, homes were three points. Oh, there, it's probably like three and a half in Kansas City or Buffalo, maybe <laughs> four points. Are, do you think we're there yet? I, I feel like I hear it yeah. less, but it still exists. Mm-hmm. I mean, aren't we just at the point where home field advantage is not something you're really factoring in as a main thing for handicapping? I mean, I'm kind of there. Like, it is an afterthought in certain situations, but it's kind of like, I don't think it means as much, right? I mean, yeah. It it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, the idea is that it, it... You know, yeah, this year it has gone up some, but sometimes this stuff is just volatile. Like you're dealing with smaller sample sizes. Like even though we're dealing with nearly a full regular season, it is a relatively small sample size in terms of figuring out, okay, what does this mean compared with last year, two years ago, several years ago? And when you start to bunch up these seasons together, you see that these home field advantages, say like moving averages, things like that, it is getting slightly smaller and slightly smaller as we go along. And it also goes back into this idea of, okay, why is there a home field advantage? Why does this exist in the first place? Is it crowd noise? Do officials hear crowd noise and say those 50-50 calls tend to go to the home team a little bit more? Whatever you think may cause home field advantage, I think the league and teams in general have done a better job of kind of filtering those things out to where it's just where the teams are playing. There's no real inherent advantage because of it. Yeah. I, no, I, I agree with everything that you had to say. And like, some of it is the travel and the way that uh, you, it's much more comfortable for the travel and, and all that. 
it's just a lot of this, the old school thinking, the home field advantage, the West Coast to East Coast and this time slot and that time slot. And, you know, even the London trip, we talk a lot about it, but does yeah, it true. feel as impactful as it used to be? If you know what you're doing, it it kind of depends. Like, that's the one time. If you're the Jags, I, you love it. Right. But right. I feel like we're at, the, we're at the point now where that's the one time of the year with travel, do they understand what they're getting into? Have they been through this before where, you know, it's not home field, but it's just where, where you're putting a lot into that. And then the week after too, with that travel as well for teams that decide not to take the buy. So it's interesting. So here's another question for you guys, because I mentioned divisional home field advantage being smaller historically than your run of the mill, regular season game. We've got the Giants, we've got the Raiders, Steelers, and Lions as road teams in divisional games. So, Mm -hmm. yes, other factors probably matter a good bit more, but among Giants, Raiders, Steelers, and Lions, do you feel like there's perhaps some value backing the road teams? Oh, man. Well, that Giants one is double digits, into double digits. We're (laughs) we're at 12 at last check, and the Eagles are not playing good ball right now. And so that that one that's one that certainly would be concerning for me. Like the the Lions are on the road, but they're indoors, so it's not as much of a concern as far as right. that with a controlled climate. And it's something that the Detroit team is used to. But yeah, there's there are certainly a couple of you know I made my point about the Giants Eagles. You know what's also interesting about what the what the league did um, with both of those games is that these teams are going to be facing off twice in these final three weeks. And I don't right. know if this, it's just a random thing that happened or if this is something they're going to do on a regular basis as they try to to, to fit in those two games throughout the year. Uh, I don't – the league didn't think the Giants were going to be in the mix, so I don't, I don't know what the thinking was behind that one. Yeah, and that's a tough one to handicap for me because – you look at these NFC East games, these teams play each other well, like sometimes just weird stuff happens, but you can't go back and say, oh, what did the Giants do against the Eagles earlier this year or whatever, because so much has changed and they haven't even played yet. So it's like, you don't know if they're going to get up for this game and cover that spread. Well, and the other thing too, is even if say you're dealing with a divisional matchup, I mean like Raiders chiefs might be an example where, okay, yeah, maybe they're not sort of bunching those games together, but you do know that, okay, yes, divisional games tend to be, uh, you know, closer scoring, those kinds of things, divisional matchups, home field advantage doesn't matter as much, but if you get some kind of random upset, talk about how it will impact the standings drastically. Maybe this team that is an underdog could make a wild card spot uh, or that yeah. loss to a team vying for a one seed, whatever it is. It can be a massive shakeup to where you're generating a lot more PR and news if, say, an upset were to happen. And it's likelier to happen in divisional games, even if the underdog is a team you don't necessarily respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's mm-hmm. it, it's going to be really fascinating in those in those spots. And it was like everything was flying high with with the Giants one, and then does one week derail all of that, or are people getting back on board a little bit? It's it, yeah, these other divisional matchups. Like you've got something to look at, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting how you have nothing to look at as far as previous <laughs> matchups, but you also don't want to go too far too. Like oh, this, right. like. It doesn't mean it's going to repeat exactly how it played out with uh, 
with some of the games that did occur, like say Chiefs Raiders, which was not that long ago. Um, and right. that was a, a really good bounce back spot for the Chiefs and they came through. Doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Exactly right. Exactly right. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Brad Powers shares his thoughts on how to bet the college football playoff. That's right here on the BetQL Network.